Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Palachuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Next up, we have our five minutes with a smart person. And one of my favorite smart people is Larry Mandelberg, author of a brand new book called Businesses Don't Fail, They Commit Suicide. Larry is also on the board of directors of the National Society of IT Service Providers. And uh, coming up in August, he's teaching a class at IT Service Provider University. Here is that interview. Larry, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Outstanding, Carl. A day talking to you is always a good one. <laughs> it's like a day without sunshine. Yeah. Some, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Same concept, other side of the coin. So, so Larry Mandelberg is uh, the author of a brand new book. Congratulations on that. And uh, I understand it's on Amazon and that people can go and leave their uh, reviews and you have some very good reviews on Amazon. I do. I'm very blessed. So the book is Businesses Don't Fail, They Commit Suicide. And uh, just, you know, 10,000 foot view. Uh, what is this all about? It's a summary of 23 years of primary research into why businesses fail. And it summarizes my hypothesis, my construct, and my theory. Then it takes that information and helps business people, leaders, understand why businesses fail and what they need to do to avoid failure. In the book, one of the things that I say is, you know, I've committed business suicide. I've owned a bunch of businesses and it's painful and it's expensive and it's traumatic. And if I can find a way to help people avoid that trauma, that pain, that cost, then that's a win. That's what this book is about. Very nice. Now, I have to say, I can't help myself looking back the last, let's just say, five years it seems like there's constantly one thing after another. There's a fear that the, we're going to go into a recession. It never actually happens. There's a pandemic. There is uh, the government spending a ridiculous amount of money to pump up a bunch of businesses. There's a lot of whatever, political turmoil. But the last five years aren't really any different than the previous five years, the previous 10 years, the pre previous 50 years. So we have to live every day in a world that is constantly in turmoil. How do business owners survive? I mean, because you, your book can't be about the last five years, right? Any more than the last 50 years. You know, that's such a good, a good observation. It's interesting because the book was begun before COVID and finished during COVID. And one of the things I was able to do because of the timing was I was able to insert some comments about COVID. One of the things I say is that no business ever failed due to external circumstances. And I believe that sincerely. COVID didn't actually, let me back up and let me say that this book and my research was based on a segment of the business community that does not work in retail. That's an important distinction. There's some other demographic criteria of my market research, but that one thing is very important because retail was really harmed by COVID. 
So in the book, I give several examples about how natural disasters really shouldn't affect the organization. So all COVID did really was bring a greater level of change at a greater pace than we're used to. And given the fact that change is happening faster and faster every single day, it was a real good Rorschach test for people to see how good they were at leading their businesses. And That's I can give you, yeah, I can give you really good examples of everything from mom and pops to Disney, who were nimble and able to, you know, pivot and really turn this into a success story. D Disney, what Disney did was just stunning because if there was a company you would think would go down like flames, it's a company that brings hundreds of thousands of people into a park into close quarters every single day. Right. All over the world. And yeah. Well, and you may or may not know this. So I have a friend who is a magician who was hired by Disney early in the COVID to greet people as they came to the park and give them a little magic show, a little entertainment, and the rules for today, right? Because there was a period where the rules were changing, and he he used to joke that by the time I'm done with my presentation, this, this may be different, but right now, <laughs> you can have groups of 100 or groups of 50 or groups of this inside and that outside and uh, whatever, uh, but, you know, Disney didn't have to do that, right, uh, on right. Set, at some level. On, at another level, it's the most genius thing they could have done, <laughs> right? Certainly with the park, but they flipped their entire revenue model upside down it, it, and they wrote about it. it I, I, I'm an options trader. I love options. And one of the things I read regularly is a column called the strike price in Barron's. And in the fall of 2020, there was an article about Disney and what had happened to them and how they went from, you know, um, glory, you know, the glory company, a blue chip, you got to have Disney stock to, oh my God, the stock's plummeting because they have no park revenue. Their park revenue is being decimated. And they flipped the entire, the, the leadership got together and they did exactly what I try to tell people to do in the book. And they, they, they pivoted and they found their value proposition in a way they hadn't thought about before, figured out a way to deliver it to a, to a market that wanted it and needed it. And that stock was one of the few retail stocks that actually went up and became stronger during COVID than anybody else. It was it was an unheard of success in, in modern times. Well, and their streaming business is sort of an example. If you take it to a, another business that's not uh, entertainment based or whatever, um, they basically had a resource waiting to be used. Right? Well, and that's what they did. Yeah, that's exactly it was like what they did. Sitting on the side and they were like, okay, now is the time that we need to monetize this. They had to pivot instantly to change everything about how they market right because before it was not a primary focus suddenly right. that became their primary source of revenue so is that nimbleness a matter of maturity or is it just uh, the nature of their leadership or something else boy that's that's a good question you're one of the few people who actually makes me think, and I like that. Um, it, 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 there's not a single answer to that. One answer is that for certain situations, it's pure luck. For certain situations, it's 
the, the brilliance of the leadership, the unique intellectual capacity of somebody who's in charge and making decisions. But more often than not, what it is, is it's what I like to call a strong organizational foundation. It's, it's an organization that is absolutely clear from top to bottom on the value they deliver and who they deliver it to and how they go about setting and meeting expectations. That requires both broad and deep experience, not expertise, but experiencing. Experience, been there, done that, been through it before, know how to deal with it. I'm not afraid of it. And that doesn't mean that you know exactly what you need to do or exactly what's going to happen, but it means that you know what not to do and where the danger zones are so that you don't make a decision that's going to bite you and take a big chunk of you out later. Right. Very good. So I'm going to switch gears only because we're short of time. You're teaching a class over at IT Service Provider University, uh, starts in August, and it is all about surviving the success of your growing business. Now, some of this obviously follows the theme of your book, uh, but tell us what that class is about. Well, if you think about this in terms of a business that isn't growing is dying, then this is where the, the basis is for this class. And I, and I believe that's a true statement. I'll debate this on any stage at any time with anybody. If you're not growing, you're dying. You, you, the world is not static. So if you're static, the world's leaving you behind. If you think about business in this, these terms, I call this the arc of success. If you have an idea and you try it and it works in, and it's successful, it creates demand and that demand creates growth and that growth creates complexity and complexity creates the need for controls and controls create a loss of flexibility. Those are five dramatic changes that happen to an organization just when they're successful. This is purely when you're successful, right? Right. So what ends up happening is in order to adapt to those changes, organizations need to change the way they behave and operate. When you do that, you uncover what I call the reverse Peter principle. It's not where you are hired to the level beyond your competence. It's where the organizational needs of you begins to get beyond your capacity. And you end up with people not knowing how to do things in order to sustain that success. So you have friction. You have senior level people who become siloed because they're afraid of losing their power or they're afraid of losing like they're doing something wrong. Or you have people who have been in the organization for a long period of time and, and you know they're loved and people don't want to turn them away. They want them to continue to be part of it. Or rules get put into place where you've got a lot of people who've been there for a long time and they're not used to those rules and they fight you because they don't want to follow those rules. They like the way it used to be. Right. So that that's really what it's about. It's about understanding that if you're going to be successful, how do you deal with that when you don't know what you're supposed to do? So what's interesting is that part of this is I, as the owner, am going to meet challenges I haven't met before. So can I actually prepare for that? Is that just a matter of read every business book you can find <laughs> and hope that you're ready when the day comes? 
Uh, no. Um, in fact, that's really not the way to do it. You can do that, but it's not very efficient. And it tends to not be very effective either. Think of it like this. If you have a building with a very, very solid foundation, you can build a, one story on it. And if you decide you want another floor, you can put another floor on it. And if that foundation was built for five stories, you can put up to five stories on it. But if you need to go to 10, you got to throw that foundation away and start over. By going through this process, what you do is you create a foundation that is so solid that change can't rattle it. And what you need to do is you need to say, okay, we've got all the framework. Where are these changes impacting us? And how do we make tweaks to what we do and how we do it in order to accommodate the change? But you don't have to change structurally the business because it's always there and it's always solid if you've got a well-conceived business. So it's about being able to build that structure and that structure, during the process of building that structure, what ends up happening in this, interestingly, now if this came out of the proof of concept, you begin to develop strategic thought foresight. It's not just foresight and it's not just strategic thinking. It's strategic thought that leads to foresight because you can't know what's coming, but if you do it right, you can say, oh, well, what if this happens? This is an interesting area of our industry that we don't really know where it's going to go. How do we deal with it? Great example. Um, when television shifted from analog to digital, this is kind of like uh, VHS and Betamax. Remember that those mm -hmm. fights? When, when TV switched, there were multiple digital formats. And all the one of my clients was the local PBS channel. And they had multiple departments in there. You know, there was the, the, the library of film and there was the people who go out and get the film and there was the on-air people and they all had their own preferred digital format and nobody knew which was going to dominate. And they had to figure out how they were going to do that. But what they did was they went back to the bones and they said, here's who we are. Here's what we do. Which one of these models serves our needs the best? Let's not worry about what's going to be the norm. Let's invest our $80 million into making sure we can continue to deliver on our promise to our market. And that ended up putting them in a place where they bought what ultimately became the industry standard. Now, that's a well-conceived business that was well-run. And obviously, I'd been working with them and, and they were a good company before they met me. So I'm not trying to take that credit. <laughs> but it's about taking what they had already done that was good. And remember, I'm talking about successful businesses and strengthening that structure so that no matter what happened, they were going to be able to adapt without undermining their business. You Very, can't get that out of a book. Right. So tell us a little bit about the class. If I take this class, uh, what are a, a couple of things I'm going to get out of it that I probably don't have in my tool belt today? Mm. Good question. I love that stuff. And, and by the way, interviewers love it when you say good question. Oh, I just put good. that in. Good. <laughs> well, one of the things that you're going to learn is there are what I call three operational imperatives. In other words, these are three things that every business, every organization that has employees has to do in order to be sustainable. 
And if you're in a for-profit business, you have to do it to be profitable. They're simple. And the class, while I could give them to you in a matter of seconds, you need to understand why they're underlying fundamental operational imperatives. If you don't understand that, you, you, you're not going to buy it. So that's where the class comes in. Another thing is going through this process and this class, I help these business owners see eight components, eight core building blocks of their business. And I have an assessment tool that's part of this that they're all going to take. And it will rank those eight components in order of relative weakness and help them understand which single area of their business to focus on first to make the greatest impact. And then the last thing that I want to say, giving you three things, most business owners that I know that I've interviewed don't think about if this business fails, it's my fault. They think, well, I could cause a failure, but I'm not. I'm a good leader, and I won't let that happen. But if something happens that I can't control, well, you live in a world of everything that happens you can't control. Right. And, and one of the things I try to do is to get them to understand psychologically that, that this is something they can control. And if there is a failure, it is your fault. Don't be afraid of it, understand it, embrace it, warm up to it, and learn how to deal with it. And oh my God, you'll be such a more powerful leader than you ever imagined. All right, very good. So class starts August 15th. It's over at itspu.com. And I thank you for your time. Thank you, sir. This podcast is sponsored by the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. Check us out at smallbizthoughts.org. Forums, templates, and checklists are just the start. Our community includes all of the best-selling books on managed services in all available formats, plus free training, members-only programs, and the best business training available to managed service providers anywhere. Plus, we have weekly live members-only Zoom calls. The average member saves more than 200% of their membership cost each year. We are totally dedicated to your success. Just because you're in business for yourself doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Join us today at smallbizthoughts.org. Up next, here are some interviews with fun people we ran into. I ran into James Steele from Linode, and so I captured a quick five minutes with a smart guy about hosted Unix servers. I'm here with James Steele from Akamai Linode and hanging out at the coolest booth here. Like well, a, other than call. mine, That's other very than, kind. Other than mine, it's the coolest booth here. Well, That's okay, obviously. Saying. So they got the big Vegas sign. I'm going to put a picture of this on the uh, on the site so you can see it. Uh, so what are you guys looking for here? New partners or more partners? Or you just want all your partners to spend all their money? Yeah, ideally. They'll just come and empty their bank account. No, no, what we're actually looking for is, I mean, we built some momentum. So we were at Channel Con in Chicago and got a really good response. And we were really pleasantly surprised. I mean, we're, we're an infrastructure as a service provider. So we're looking for MSPs who do web or application development. They're looking to build applications on our infrastructure. So similar to AWS or Google or Azure, right. you know, we provide that. It's a fraction of the cost of those providers. It's 
I'd like to say it's much better supported and it's much easier to use. So we're looking for those MSPs that fit that criteria. And we're really pleasantly surprised at, at Channelcom, you know, we've got a really good percentage who are involved in the development side as well. So having seen a you know, good response last year and also you can't beat this event for you know, the community oh, yeah. and networking. Yeah, absolutely. So you may or may not know this, all of my servers are on Linode. I wasn't aware of this. So okay. I have, okay. I have uh, primarily websites, uh -huh. but uh, we have one for the National Society of IT Service Providers, and then there's three for my company that together host about 30 websites. So, and I love them because I can resize them, and I just look at the the printouts of you know what, how the performance is going, and I click a button, and now I have more memory, and it's just a beautiful thing. So, that elasticity is a big one actually yes. for our customers for sure. Well, and, yeah. and I need to know that I've got the confidence that the backup is actually being done, and that I can yes. do test restores, and that's a thing a lot of people ignore. They're like, oh, it's in the cloud, you don't have to worry about it. Like. Unless you do, right? Yeah. yeah, you absolutely do. I mean, you've got to pay attention to that stuff. We do a lot with open source tech, actually, to bolt on around the server piece. So things like, you know, we do a basic backup service, but you could expand that with open source tech. And right. obviously it's absolutely. a huge world of Very open good. source Very good. So how do people get in touch with Linode? Well, I think I should probably promote our ebook. So we're giving away printed copies of this. All right. This is the open source tech stack guide for MSP. So these are these are open source applications you can run on Linode that might be an alternative to the commercial applications MSPs right. are using right Some now. Some of which are just click point and click and they're installed for it's, you. It's called the one-click application marketplace. It's, there you go. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> it. So, so I'd recommend grabbing that. Go to linode.com or just do a quick search for the open source tech stack. We did this with uh, Tom Lawrence and uh, Jay LaCroix, two authorities in the space. Right. So, uh, yeah, so I'd recommend doing that. And of course, come and fire up a trial if you want to, to test uh, absolutely. a server. Absolutely. Great. Services. Well, as always, it's great talking to you. Thank yeah, absolutely. You. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.